Hey folks, welcome to episode 318 of the MLF Bass Fishing Podcast in Shaftesbury, Vermont. I'm Jody White, joined from sunny Norwalk, Iowa, by the one and only Kyle Wood. The always beautiful Norwalk, Iowa. I've often heard it's the best part of Iowa. <laughs> it, it probably can be at times, for sure. Um, So, we are recording, it's uh, 6.54 a.m., eastern uh so i guess 554 central you probably don't have any light currently correct <laughs> uh correct it is uh still dark uh although you know like my little office area is lit up pretty good so oh, you have lights in your house it. wow yeah yeah nice rob rob so, would be shocked so 21st century of you <laughs> <laughs> um i uh i'm heading for a fog delay here in shaftesbury Ooh. it's uh pretty misty we're definitely gonna need to wait for it to burn off um, but, uh, dude, I tell you what, it really is actually spring now. Uh, it's definitely mud season. The, I have fished multiple times in open water within the last week in the Northeast. Wow. How dope you is that? Dr- you dreamed it would happen, uh, you know, before we went to the Harris chain and look at you now, you made it happen. I, I was like, I'm going to go to the Harris chain I'm going to come back, I'm going to get the boat ready, and then I'm going to go. And guess what? It Boom. Happened. Now, <laughs> I will say, Redcrest totally ruined it for me, because there was one day where I stayed home to work, and it was like slick calm all day, and the two days that I went fishing, it blew like 20 all day. So, <laughs> you know, can't win them all, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> but hey, you know, you're out there. Yeah, anyway. We have, I would say, a good show this week, uh, or hopefully it'll become one. Um, our interview is with uh, sophomore superstar, the Mississippi Muscle, Grant Galloway. The Mississippi um, Muscle. Which is not actually part of the interview, sadly. Um, well, but so... Go ahead. I don't know. Folks will figure it out. I did call him back and record the part about it, so... Oh, Nice. You know, maybe that gets mashed into it. Maybe not. Maybe it's a teaser right now. I almost forgot one Hi. of the most important questions. I was. It was like the whole reason I wanted a podcast with you. And you didn't ask. Yeah, I did not ask it. So I'm terrible at my job, obviously. But um, Jody was where I heard it from, and I don't know if he made it up. Uh, we've been calling you the Mississippi Muscle as a nickname. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do you feel about the? How do you feel about that nickname? And do you have a nickname? Uh, no, I, I like that. I, I really like that nickname. Really? Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean Mississippi Muscle. I mean that's that's kind of cool, right? Isn't that kind of a uh, sweet nickname? Yeah, it's a lot better than the nickname that I got. Well, it's not really my nickname. It's my CB handle. Oh, what's that? <laughs> they call me Bopper. I don't know why. But that's what they call me. Now, Bopper, Bopper. Uh, is fine, but it's definitely not Mississippi Muscle. No, no, uh-uh. I really do appreciate Mississippi Muscle in comparison to Bopper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, okay, so I guess going forward, we will try to publish and press Mississippi <laughs> Muscle as much as possible uh, to maybe... <laughs> Maybe uh, anyone that calls you Bopper will try to drift away from that. Yeah, right. Maybe it'll yeah, yeah, stream away. Yeah. <laughs> is, like it, is the CB I, handle uh, for when you're on the boat? Uh, well, yeah, when I'm on the boat and then out here where we live, it's so rural. We do a lot of communicating on radios and trucks, like old school. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So, you know, everybody's got the radio handle and all that, so. Mine's Bopper. Bopper. Yeah, I, no. I didn't make it. I was a don, and that was adorned on to me, so I don't. Which which is all, you know, that's usually, you know, nicknames start that way, right? And, then you know, that's the that's hand right. you were dealt. But I feel like Mississippi Muscle, I think that's where it's at. Yeah, I like it. I like that a lot. I mean, I think you and I both think it's one of the greatest nicknames we've ever come up with. Um, I'm not exactly sure who came up with it but i feel like it was one of us pretty definitively i yeah i think i think i i told grant that i heard it from you so i gave you uh credit but i mean i jumped all over it because i was like this is it's great yeah Yeah, like fantastic um he needs to live up to it a little bit more um i am gonna need some more top tens out of him but man i hope it sticks you know what i mean oh yeah yeah and i think Um, it's fixing to happen for him so buckle up I like it. Well, anyway, after this beautiful Grant Galloway interview, uh, you and I are going to talk about the Harris chain. It was uh, actually a pretty good tournament down there. Um, Not bad. We will way too early uh, start talking about standings, start talking about predictions, kind of dive deep on the pro circuit as we are wont to do. Um, Then we'll probably mention uh, Redcrest. It's going on now. It's at Grand Lake. We'll talk about the college fishing national championship coming up on fort gibson i'll be there for that one uh we'll tick through a couple bfl events maybe talk fishing a little bit we'll of course do a bomo update because that's like basically the whole show now obviously and uh uh, i guess that'll pretty much do it (laughs) sound good (laughs) sounds lovely all right well in that case here is grant galloway all right well uh this week uh it's none other than mr grant galloway joining us on the podcast uh grant how you doing man man i'm hanging in there like a hair on a biscuit i'm just having a good old time <laughs> trying to uh trying to figure out where my next bite's gonna come from you know i i hear you i hear you well uh you know i think uh you're you're fresh on the memory because of your finish uh at the harris chain uh not too long ago and we'll obviously dive into that but um <laughs> I guess, you know, you told me you're coming off the water right now. Uh, were you out on Pickwick? Oh, actually, no. I was on uh, Grenada Lake. It's actually a flood control lake here in Mississippi. Uh, oh. I just, yeah, I was just trying to get that Florida, all my Florida vibes off of me, I guess, because I don't want to go, wherever I go fishing that next, I don't want to be trying to throw a jerk bait when, you know. So I just <laughs> go to this clean slate. I got you. I got you. The question is, uh, did you catch some? Uh, I caught a couple, but not many. The wind got up on me, but, uh, you know, it's post-frontal here. Second day after front is tough, but whatever. You know, we're fishing. Hey, I, I, you know, that, that's more fishing than I'm doing, so I can't knock you for that. Yeah, I understand. And I got to say, you know, shout out to you, and, and I feel like we try to cover it on this podcast a lot, but uh, – you know, I think for a lot of people that are getting into it, uh, 
people get a little put off by like going out and fishing when it shouldn't be good, right? Like people just leave the boat on the trailer, do some chores or whatever. And I get that. But also there's something to going out and getting your teeth kicked in and learning a little bit or knowing what you need to do next time. Like it's, it's all part of the process. Well, yeah, you know, and the biggest thing about it too, if you're going to be a tournament angler, I mean, you can plan a perfect tournament, but you can't predict the weather. So, I mean, you know, if I've got a free day to go, I try to go no matter what. And don't get me wrong. I don't want to go in the rain. Nobody, I mean, I don't. <laughs> no I, one does, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I try to go even sometimes when the conditions aren't favorable because it's not going to be picture perfect every event we fish, and it's definitely not every day. So, I mean, yeah, at least we're fishing. I always try to keep that mindset. At least I'm just fishing. For sure, man. Well, uh, I think now would probably be a really good time for us to kind of hit the reset and go back to uh let's just get to know grant a little bit um i guess yeah uh off the top of my head how old a guy how old a guy are you grant i'm a 31 year old 31 years old yeah yeah still trying to figure out life i guess (laughs) (laughs) hey i hear you i'm only a couple years older and i'm i'm right there with you so uh, yeah but are you born and raised in mississippi yeah, born and raised in Mississippi. Uh, I live, you know, born in a little town of Hulka. Uh, it's a it's a little old bitty farm town, man. I mean, like, I live out. I live five miles outside of town, and the biggest attraction we have in town is a supermarket and a Dollar General. That's all we got. So, you know, <laughs> very very rural living. But uh, man, I've traveled all over the country, and uh, I still want to come back. So apparently, that's where home is. I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, um, I, I throw this out to a lot of guys, you know, that I, I talked to growing up in the South, but I feel like it's just kind of part of the culture, uh, to have fishing just ingrained from you from an early age. And was that the case for you? Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, my, my background with fishing, especially where I'm from, I feel like I kind of started out with a little bit of a head start. My, uh, my dad, my my dad always had a bass boat growing up. I mean, I think I think the earliest one I can remember we had like an old Hydrosports or something. Oh like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> always had it. We didn't know if it was gonna crank when we got to the ramp, but we always had a bass boat. So, <laughs> uh, you know, he says that I caught my first bass on a Carolina rig. How true that is, I don't know. But I've always grown up fishing uh, lakes and stuff with him. He did a little bit of team tournament angling growing up with his buddies, but uh. But, yeah, like, as far as, I mean, roaming the creek banks, farm ponds, I mean, man, I had a group of friends that, and still, they're still my best friends, that we we traveled, I mean, it, it, whether it be on foot, four-wheeler, bikes, parents drop us off, I mean, we fished every chance we could. Basically, whatever you could do to have a line wet, you guys were all about it. Yeah. Well, definitely, definitely, yeah, and I got – you know, I've got a, a group of friends that are the same age, and my little brother, I've got a little brother that's three years younger than me. Um, we grew up, I mean, we was on the telephone calling each other, waking each other up, talking about where we're going to go today, and we always had, we always fished a tournament style against each other. Who caught the most? Who caught the biggest? You know, it was, uh, it's just like, it's just like second nature to me. I dig it. So it really, like, I guess it, it was kind of a natural transition as you grew up, you know, eyeing the idea of fishing professionally was probably always there, you know, from the time you said go and started fishing. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always in your head. 
I mean, you know, from a from a younger, you know, a younger kid, you know, point of view, like I I saw it and I wanted it. That's what all I wanted to do. But you know, as you grow and the real world kind of comes at you, that really separates the ones that truly, truly want to do it. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Yep. Uh, you know, there's a lot. It, it becomes a lot more difficult, but at the same time, it can also become a lot more realistic. Um, you know, it's uh, people always tell me. You know, I worked a boat show um, a few weeks ago, and this kid came up to me, and he's like, "Man, it's like, what do I got to do to to be a professional fisherman?" And I was like, "Man, you just got to want to do it bad enough. If you want to do it bad enough, that's with anything in life. I believe you can do it." So, yeah, I think that's. <sighs> It's definitely a journey, that's for sure. <laughs> well, you know, you're kind of, you're at that age. Um, Jody and I fish in college. Um, you obviously did as well. So when you, yeah. uh, you went to Mississippi State, correct? Correct, correct. The, bull, the Bulldogs, is that what they are? The Bulldogs, baby, yeah. Yeah. yeah we don't associate team from the north, the Ole <laughs> Miss team. Um, but I guess, like, when you made the decision you know, like, all right, I'm going to college. Was fishing also part of that decision or was it like, I'm going to college, you know, I got to get a degree, but also there's an opportunity to fish. So I'll do that. Well, I mean, definitely college was always like, uh, you know, I felt like I had to go to college. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, fishing, fishing was definitely a little bit more of an incentive to go. Oh, I got you. (laughs) I mean, like, yeah, you know, college fishing, uh, you know, it was, uh, it gave me experience on bodies of water that I never, I never really would have gotten to experience against that amount of competition. And For I ain't sure. saying like, I'm not saying that college fishermen is, you know, they're not as competitive as maybe the Toyota series, you know, the minor league series before the tours and all that. But it's, 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 a different mindset when you're going out there and fishing against your peers for sure. And, you know, it just, it, I get, I don't know the pressure is still there, but it's, it's a different kind of pressure. It's a fun pressure. It's a, uh, you know, it's a, a lot of camaraderie, a lot of teammates. So it's just, it's pretty much just preparing you for that next step. If you're wanting to take it that, that college fishing is definitely a great, you know, it's a great, thing to prepare anglers who want to take to the next level so when you uh what uh, what degree did you get i studied uh agribusiness marketing oh okay yeah. okay yeah I, I don't know why i thought i was gonna be a seed salesman um you know because living out here in farm country but uh you know fishing fishing opened up different career doors and I feel like you know you can have a you can have a plan, but if it's not if it's not the right plan, you just got to be open minded. So I just I just stayed with it, and it's it's worked out so far. Well, so you know coming out of uh, you know you fish in college uh, a little bit, you're fishing some BFLs at the time. Uh, you know, like t- tell me about that that transition out of college. Uh, like, do you oh, get a job, and are you fishing same time? Or are you yeah. jumping right uh, into whatever? Yeah, no, that's 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 um, a good question. Well, what what I did was is after college, see, all right, me and I, I, I got to say this before we go any further. Like me and uh, Justin Atkins, we were partners in college, right? Yep. We were we were teammates, but before 
before we were even college teammates, we were best friends. So we always grew up competing with each other. Well, this is the two. This is this is just how crazy. We're both fishing professionally now, but looking back, there was a time in business calculus at Mississippi State. We were sitting in class, and we were not striving in business calculus like <laughs> it was. It had our number right, and I don't know if it had to do with us taking it together or what, but it was hard. And anyways. Atkins, he said, he said something to me in class, and he's like, dude, he's like, I'm going to fish the tour next year. And I was like, he said, I want you to come fish with me. And I said, man, I said, I'm not that kind of gambler. Like, you know, I, I, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to, you know, make some money. And, you know, then I'll I'll start with the, you know, with the Toyotas, try to qualify. Just, see, you know, just see where the road takes me. Sure. But I'm saying that to say this is there's two different options, you know, like Atkins, Justin, you know, he put a lot more on the line right out of school, you know, fished the tour, won the cup. I mean, you know, just so there's not necessarily a right or wrong way to approach professional fishermen. I took the safe way. He took the gamble. He made the gamble and I've made it the safe way. Sure. Um, you know, just, uh, teach their own so if somebody out there is listening and don't know what to do well i mean neither do we it's just you know if you want to do it bad enough and you put your mind to it i mean you know there's a thousand different ways to catch a bass there's a thousand different ways that you can make it fishing so i mean just keep an open mind don't get frustrated and and if you really want to do it the opportunity to present itself very well said very well said but uh and I'm glad you got on the Atkins thing. I definitely want to dive back into that uh, a little more. But let's go back down the path of, uh, you know, your journey, the way you did it to make it uh, you know, right. to the pro circuit. Yeah, okay. So, well, I get out of college. Um, I go to work for some family friends. They uh, they own a feed mill um, in a neighboring town. Um, you know, started from the bottom, was loading trucks, bagging feed. Was You know, I, I knew that I had the opportunity for a career there. But uh, I think I was 20, early 20s, 23, I don't know, something like that. And, uh, you know, I was I was working every day, you know, not, you know the, the, the regular eight to five job, you know, like just, and it was physical labor. And I was just thinking, I was like, man, I really want to fish the opens. But my job was not going to allow that. I mean, it was a nine to five, you know, eight to whatever. It was a, yep. it was a five day a week job. Well, I talked to my my dad about it. My dad's my consultant on everything. I mean, I'll talk to him about anything. Asking him, he's like, "Man, if you're gonna do it, now's the time to do it. You're not you're not tied down. You can afford it. You know, you can get you another odd end job to, you know, to to pay your entry fees and whatnot." Mm-hmm. So, so that's what I did. You know, I I was it's it's weird, you know how how things come together. But I put my two weeks notice in. Um, looking, looking to quit, uh, you know, to fish the opens. I'd done paid deposits to fish or whatever. And, uh, I put my two weeks in, not really knowing what I was going to do. I mean, I knew I could find work. I mean, you know, that, that wasn't going to be an issue. I just, but I didn't have a plan. Sure. Well, then I heard about Hummingbird and Lake Master, um, a guy that he, he got, well, Justin will work for him and use them as a stepping stone to get, you know, to, to boost his career. Well, then the opportunity came to me, and it was just like a blessing in the skies, and that way it allowed me to make my own schedule, plan around tournaments, fund the tournaments, and then get the fish. 
So, you know, that's just one of those things that the opportunity just presented itself. So from there, I fished the Toyota Series. The That's the Open Series I'm talking about. The Toyota Series um, fished, I say, that first year I fished, I think it was Chickamauga. I don't know, but I finished sixth. I tied with Jacob Wheeler for points uh, in the in the Toyota, you know, points division. Yep. And then I qualified for the tour. And uh, that's been, I guess, three years ago. Last year is my first year, and now this is my second year. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, it kind of it took a, a weird turn with the, um, uh, you know, the Humminbird gig because uh, was that – I know um, – is it surveying? Is that what you were doing? Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, we're the Lake Master Division. We, um, you know, there's a crew of there's about twelve guys probably of us right now that travel the country and make the uh, Lake Master maps that um, you know, that everybody uses, and uh, we take a lot of pride in it. I'm proud to be a part of it. You know, it's, it's pretty cool when you get to work for a company that that's in the fishing industry and that you know that people really, you know, rely on y'all's product and. Uh, you know, it's just pretty cool. So I take a lot of pride in that too. Heck yeah, man. Uh, I guess I, I still want to go down some more, you know, like thoughts on rookie year and all that, but, uh, yeah. have you found anything like crazy, uh, you know, like a pile <laughs> of sunken cars or like, yeah. you know, some weird stuff like that when you've been surveying? Cause I feel like you have to. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you see it so much, you kind of get numb to it. Like, uh, what I mean by that is like bizarre things. Anybody <laughs> that's really been on the water knows that there are some bizarre things in and around water. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. But yeah, you know, like we found, uh, I mean, we found sunken cars at ramps. Apparently, that's a common thing. I did not know that that was that common before I started this job, but apparently. <laughs> insurance fraud, boat ramps. You know, minivan payments, get rid of them. Oh, yeah. Drive off the ramp. No, that, that's crazy to me. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah, we, we find a lot of cool stuff. That's what we tell everybody. No, uh, no Loch Ness monsters or nothing? No, nah, not yet. I've seen some strange stuff, but, uh, you know, it was uh, it was just more or less crazy, crazy folks <laughs> around the water. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, you mentioned there, um, you know, your this is obviously your sophomore year uh, on the pro circuit, but last year, that first year, um, it was Horrible. not good. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was, <laughs> it, it was rough. <laughs> um, oh, you know what? What, what was kind of you know walk me through how it went because I know rookie years are are tough, and and we've seen a lot of guys um, in this industry that are really really good have terrible rookie years. So you know it's not a it's not a gauge as to how you are as an angler, but it, I mean, it's a big hill to climb, you know, Ooh, coming in fresh yeah. to a, to a, you know, major tour level. Definitely. You know, and, and honestly, I mean, I always felt like, and people and fishermen, fishermen get this, you know, I would, I would do all this research on these lakes and I qualified for the tour. I think the first year fishing the Toyota series or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like, Instead of getting to experience a lot of this water, here I am going up against the big dogs, and I'm just showing up, right? So so a lot of these lakes I hadn't been to, instead of trying to catch them how I know how to catch them, and I, I was trying to do it how they do it there. Oh, sure. 
you know, and and that, and then you add the stress, you know, the entry fees, you know, how, you know, how am I going to afford to get to the next one, you know, uh, not wanting to, you know, trying to do too many things at one time, uh, you know, and it, it, the financial pressure, yeah, that's a big deal. Um, trying to catch them, you know, how you think you're supposed to catch them other than how you know how to catch them, that's a big deal. But the biggest thing is just, relax don't don't i mean dude these are fishermen just like you yeah they're good but you all i i had to take a step back and realize i'm here for a reason you know it ain't like i just paid my entry fees and just got in here i mean i, I qualified to get here and right and but yeah it, it's, it was definitely a struggle i always felt like i was fishing on a totally different lake than everybody last season and i knew i was better and i knew i know slumps are real in fishing they really are for sure for sure <laughs> just got to keep your head down and grind through them so i mean man just after having a good week that good week in florida i feel like a brand new angler well let's uh let's talk about that because again rayburn you start the year off this year not another you know another triple digit finish and uh yes coming into day one man uh at the harris chain you i mean you came out swinging like uh did, were you feeling good through practice at the harris chain what well, you know, that whole drive down there, I think from from, Holka, from my house to the Harris Chain, it's about, you know, 10, 11 hours. So you got plenty of windshield time, you know, plenty of time to think about things. Yep. And the thing is, like, I told myself I was going to fish how I want to fish. You know, just, just go just go get some bites. Just, just go get bites and then, you know, build off of that. So I, I tried to – I tried to – just have a clean slate going down there and i've been down there in the past for college fishing or something before but um you know it was like it was a lot of soul searching man i mean i I was talking to the good lord i was like i was like man if if this is not what i need to be doing you know just show me you know give me a sign Mm -hmm. you know let me know that this ain't doing right you know that this is not it well, in the first day, the first two I catch are 17 pounds. I'm like, yes, sir. I'm paying attention. You got me now. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, I mean, it's uh, it's crazy how fishing can go. But that's what the love. That's why I love it so much. You never know what the next cast will bring. And, uh, man, I mean, that, you know, that was, that was a good, that was a good reset for me. And I, I, I kind of, um, I kind of want to know, I mean, you, you obviously, uh, you know, you're fired up about it. I'm happy to see you finally kind of climb out of that slump, but you know, driving home on the, on the reverse of that, that windshield time back home to Mississippi from the Harris chain, like, you know, what's going through your mind then? Is it, is it a little more like a big weight off your shoulders? Like, okay. You know, we got the wheels back on track. We're, uh, yeah, we're full head of steam now. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a big weight. It's not really a, a weight. I'm more or less it's more or less a reassurance. Okay. You know, just just going to Florida somewhere that I'm not. You know, Florida does not fish like Mississippi, or you know, so you know to go down there and, and to you know put something together and to compete and you know just you know fish at championship day and and you know have that have that chance. You know. It really sets the tone for like the you know Pickwick's coming up, and you know I've got a lot of experience there, Gunnersville. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just uh, not necessary. I don't know. It just makes me feel like I can. 
You know sure, what I'm saying? Sure. And even though you know that we, we as anglers, we know that we can catch them, but we do go through slumps and we do experience that. And you know, to I don't know that 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 drive home was great. I mean, I you know, you get to making plans, you get to think about you know how you're going to catch the next ones. You know, and it, it, it's great. It's great. And it's the same when you lose. When you you know when you finish in the bottom third and you're in a hundred and thirtieth place and you're driving home with your tail between your legs, you know you're still you're still thinking about how you're gonna catch them and how you're gonna gonna you know rebound, uh, you know, and how you're gonna climb out of that hole. You still think along the same lines, but it's with a different it's with a different power. Sure, sure. Well, and you know you mentioned Pickwick there. I, I, just me off the top of my head. Um, well, I guess, you know, even we go back to, uh, uh, myself and a lot of the other, um, content folks at major league fishing, you know, we, we made a list of predictions for the 2022 pro circuit season. And, uh, I basically, I said that this is the year Grant Galloway comes back, right? You get out of that slump. This is your year. Uh, yeah. And some of that I based on the fact I felt like you'd be a little more in your wheelhouse. You know, we get through Florida that Florida throws everyone for a curveball, right? I don't care how good, you know, I don't care how good of an angler you are. People always stub their toe in Florida, but then we get a couple Tennessee river events where, you know, you have some experience you, um, because last year to me starting off in Florida and then going to Smith and then to Murray kind of put off a vibe of like, it's an uphill battle for Grant. That's just as me, you know, outside looking in. Like you couldn't settle yeah, it, in, you know what I mean? It's it's all kind of new, different stuff. It was three totally different styles of fishing. I fished Smith a little bit, but Smith has always had my number. But you know, it's uh, and with the rookie year, like you're just excited to be there, right? At a, you know, to an extent, you know, I, I don't like getting complacent or nothing like that. But you know, you, you just kind of you're trying to soak it all in, have fun, and catch them. But yeah, and, but you're right though. You know, when you go to those three, because I've never been to Okeechobee, you know, not tournament fishing. Mm-hmm. I never well, fished on Smith. Murray was really new to me. I mean, that lake is awesome, and I didn't have a clue. I felt like I was fishing, you know, somewhere totally different. But you got to fish these lakes. That's what I tell everybody. You got to fish these lakes. If you catch them or not, you learn so much to go back and to add, you know, to add to your next trip, your next tournament there. So you know, I, yeah, I really it, it I really stunk it up. But the information that I learned was was so you know was so so good compared you know to even though we did get beat, the information I'm gonna have going back to those places, you know, they can make they can make the difference. Oh yeah, and I feel like that's the difference between um, guys you see try to make it to the top level, and you know I've been doing it for ten plus years now. And so I've seen a lot of dudes come through the Toyota series that try to make it to the tour or the pro circuit and, uh, it doesn't happen. And in my mind, a lot of that comes back to you get your teeth kicked in and people get all pouty and and down on themselves and then just kind of lose that luster for it. Right. But I, I really, really like the mindset you have for like, you know, it, it sucks. Sure. No one likes getting beat, right. It's not fun and what anything you're doing, but if you can learn from it and, you know, know that going forward, you'll be, you're good enough to, uh, take that information and, you know, uh, help, help you do better coming around. 
yeah. you know, that's the mentality you got to have because, man, you get down oh, on, your, yeah. on yourself in this sport and you go through a slump, which, like you said, it's going to happen. I, again, I don't care who you are as an angler. It's going to happen. Uh, but it's how well you can climb back out of that and get that momentum rolling. And, uh, yeah, I like your style, basically. Well, I mean, yeah, and trust me, it is. It's easier said than done. But, I mean, you know, if you're – if you can't if you can't go out here and take a you know take a lashing from these boys because they'll give it to you, and you can't find the silver lining in it, and you're just gonna let them beat you up every event, you won't last long. For sure. For sure. Um, and I'm just trying trying to find my rhythm. Well, you know, speaking on that rhythm note, we got Pickwick, we got Gunnersville coming up next. Pickwick's like third week of April. Gunnersville's like second week of May. Um, you know, just give me a little, like, what's your thought? On, does that have you excited? Are you uh, at least pumped to be fishing a body of water uh, that <laughs> that you're familiar with and know your way around anyhow? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm definitely excited about it. Just, just because, like, uh, I won't be so lost in practice. <laughs> like, you <laughs> yeah, know, right. I'll, I'll at least know where I'm at or where <laughs> I've caught one at before or where I've not ever had a bite, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I'm super pumped for the Tennessee river swing. Um, you know, Pickwick's in my backyard. I grew up fishing it. Um, Gunnersville, not as much, but I do have some experience there and the time of the year is good. I mean, you know, it's, we're going to have a, it's going to be spawn, shad spawn, and it's going to be shad spawn, then post spawn, you know, some fish will be moving out and all that. So it's, it's going to, it's going to fish good. I, I think it's going to. There's not going to be one specific technique, I don't believe, which is great. You know, yep. I think the lakes might spread out a little bit more. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for it. And, you know, just, just being around folks that I know, you know, just just it's just got a good vibe to it fishing when you're close to home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's there's uh, nothing beats it, right? If you have uh, – yeah. you're, you're kind of already in a, in a level of uh, – I don't want to say like – well, you're in your comfort zone, and, uh, yeah, you know, it's hard to beat. It's like uh, kind of like home field advantage, right? Like, you know, you talk football. Uh, my Iowa State Cyclones uh, are usually terrible at football uh, year in and year out. I'll admit that. However, we're pretty good at upsetting big teams at home, right? Because you feed off that energy. You're a little more relaxed. You can kind of focus on the task at hand. And I think you see that a lot, um, you know, when guys get a fish in their backyard uh, would kind of be the way I would describe that to someone. Yeah, no, no that's, that's, that's true. And I've never, you know, on a, on a tour event, tour level event, I've never got to experience that. So, you know, that's definitely something I'm looking forward to. Um, you know, and don't get me wrong, I, you know, going out the other day, the final day, and I think, well, you know, we all zeroed out the last day, but, but going out in fourth place, going into the final day, I believe that's what I was in. Um, yep. You know, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great feeling of accomplishment, you know, just, well, especially when you're so far from home, you know, you put something together, it was successful, you beat out, you know, everybody but 10 people in the field even before the days even started, you're feeling good, you know, sure. and it, it's just, that's th- those, those feelings like that is really what, you know, affects people's decision-making and, and all that. And it really, really brings out the best in anglers. And it was, it felt really, really good to have that. Now, if 
Grant Galloway makes the final day at Pickwick, are we going to see like a uh, flotilla of friends and family out uh, cheering you on, hooting oh, yeah. and hollering? I imagine oh. Atkins will be leading the charge, like shirt off, you know, rally towel oh, yeah. kind of thing. That's yeah. that's the vibe I get. Dude, yeah, I, I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. Some Roman candles. Yeah. Maybe a mariachi. Yeah, a little bit of everything. That'd be great. Uh, yeah. Heck, I might join the party. I'll stop whatever I'm doing. I'll I'll jump in there and hang out. <laughs> yeah, I ain't trying to, you know, say that we're gonna make it, but if we do, it'll be fun. <laughs> well, uh, I I I feel like I gotta ask because we've already talked about most of the season, but then uh, you know the the tail end of it, we got James River and Champlain. Again, two pretty yeah. drastically different fisheries. Um, what's your overall take on tidal fisheries as a whole? Oh, tidal fisheries as a whole. Uh, hmm. I don't know. Like, and that's you... what I'm going to say is I don't know because I've never <laughs> really fished them. Um, you know, just uh, I, I, I've got a little bit of experience fishing tides. I know it, it positions fish. But, man, dude, I'm lost as a goose in a snowstorm with that. I'm just going to go out there, try not to get too consumed by the tide. I know it's a real deal, but, like, man, you've got to do what you know how to do to get a bite. So that's we'll start from there. If we can roll with it, we're going to run with it. Well, and I feel like, again, as myself, uh, you know, looking down – or not down at you, looking on at you, uh, the James, to me, would almost seem like it would set up better – for someone like yourself than the Potomac. Cause they are like two pretty different fisheries. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and I, I just feel like Grant Galloway would vibe a little better with the James river, which is again, why I said I predicted you were going to have a good year this year because I thought we make it through that Tennessee river swing, the tail end of the season, you know, though different, yeah. not all that bad. Uh, at least on paper. Anyway. No, no, no. I mean, I understand, but like, I mean, I was thinking about it on the ride, ride home from Rayburn, like, after I bombed. I was like, but Kyle said I was going to come back. <laughs> it's a, I was like, it's okay. It's all right. You, you know, everyone, you can have one. It's all right. You can still climb up uh, from that. No problem. No problem. Yeah, uh, well, you know, you don't, to, you don't want the first one to be a bad one. But, I mean, man, you just got to take it as it comes. And, and, and hopefully we've righted the ship, um, If you know, so, I mean, just the positivity has been so good. It's it's really opened my eyes and changed my, um, you know, I needed it. You, sure. you just need stuff like this to happen to, to, you know, to get it going again. Sure, sure. What about uh, Champlain? I feel like, have you been up there uh, surveying or, or for work at all? No, but I've been in the area. Uh, Champlain was, you know, of course, as popular like it, as it is, it's one of the, you know, it was mapped before my time, but um, I've been in the area. Um, of course, I've watched every fishing tournament, kept up with every tournament that you know that's been in the area. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a great it's a great fishery, full of fish. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like to go catching. Um, you know, that time of the year, I, I don't know. I just seen some of the bags that come out of there, and it just it makes my mouth water want to get up there um it's a special place and whenever we get there man i'm i'm gonna be i'm gonna be ecstatic how do you feel about northern smallmouth fishing i know you guys catch them 
on the Tennessee River and whatnot. But uh, how do you feel about catching them northern smallmouths? Well, they're daylight and dark in my opinion. But the ones up north are awesome. I mean, last year we went to St. Lawrence. Of course, I didn't catch them. Uh, but, you know, practice and all that, it's, it was amazing. It's, it, I wish that some of these southern boys, I could load them up in a school bus and carry them up there and <laughs> tell them where to throw, let them fly. Them because, I mean, they, you think, you know, everybody hooks a big old largemouth, and they're like, man, that she was pulling, she was pulling. Wait. You can be fooled easily by those northern smallmouth <laughs> because they are absolute units. Oh, for sure, man. And they're, they're mad about it. I mean, I know nobody likes hooking their face, but they really, they re- it really ticks them off. Oh, yeah, man. And it doesn't matter if it's a pound and a half or five pounds. Right. You know, like, you can be fooled by them. Like, yeah. You know, we've worked happened up there we went out to work and fished and i've looked into them i had buddies look into them and they're like oh my goodness i don't know what it is but it's big and then it just comes <laughs> up out there and you're like that it's not that big but it's it's really mad about it <laughs> yeah they uh they are something special I, I i guess i bring that up wondering like though champlain's not a uh well in the time of year we're going guys will catch smallmouths but you know large mouths will play uh just as much However, you know, in in the, the skill set you have, do you think catching small mouse up North, like, do you think that is a, something you still need to work on or are you, do you feel, you know, just as confident if you got plopped on, uh, Sturgeon Bay or, you know, Lake Erie, any of them other big Northern smallmouth fisheries? Well, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely something I need to work on just because I haven't you know, I haven't did it enough, but, you know, I fish two extremely different ways. I either fish super shallow, you know, short stringing them or throwing a blade or I fish offshore and rely heavily on my electronics. So, you know, I really like graphing, finding hard spots, rock piles, utilizing my electronics just because I work with them every day outside of sure, tournaments. Sure. You know, I still, I still sit behind them and look at them, and I really, I really enjoy that. So, you know, I would love to to have an offshore derby and you know, capitalize on those big, you know, brown fish offshore. That would be a dream. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, of course, I, I need, I need, I need more practice. But that's my thing. I love doing that, and I feel like it could really work to my favor. Oh, for sure, man, for sure. It's the you definitely. Uh, I was going to say that the right uh, skill set is there uh, just because of your line of work uh, blends perfectly with your other line of work. <laughs> <I Right. guess. laughs> it's kind of the, yeah. the perfect storm. Who's better at uh, reading their electronics? You or Atkins. Oh, me hands down. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, nah, he would say, dude, he, he, he's great. He's great. But uh, you know, it's crazy for us to, to be best friends and, and and fishermen like we are you know we fish totally different in some aspects and a lot of you know a lot in the same and others it's uh it's crazy like you can sit in my boat look at my electronics find fish that i might would never find sitting in my own boat looking at my own electronics you know so it's all about what you got in mind whoever the person looking at the graph it's all about what they have in mind what what they're wanting fish to be on you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and then catching them that way so it's you know uh there's a million different ways to look at it so what uh but yeah I, I, 
with regards to uh, Atkins, do you have any good uh, uh, stories that are safe to tell uh, about fishing with that guy over the year? Because uh, Justin uh, is one of the coolest guys I've ever met. And uh, we've had we've had some times in Minnesota uh, catching fish together, and uh, I know that guy can be a blast in the boat. But you know, is there any like you know fun fishing time or any fun story you had no. that you could share? Uh, tell on him a little Man, bit. Honestly, there's a lot I can't talk about. <laughs> uh, just just from the time that we grew up together in in the time of our lives that we grew up together, <laughs> kind of crazy. But no, man, like a. Me and him get in the boat, and we can cut up and have a heck of a time. We don't get to see each other as much as we used to because we're fishing two totally different events. Can't talk about anything, you know. So when we call, we talk about how's wife and kids doing, you know, what's going on in mine and his world outside of fishing. But uh, but no, I've got some stories I could tell. I can't think of any off off top right now that wouldn't make somebody upset. So. <laughs> I'll just have to uh, – I'll bug you about it at Pickwick. You just tell me in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mano y mano, I, I can tell you some good ones. Yeah, yeah. What uh, – it is – not that I want to keep talking about Atkins, but I think it's a really cool friendship um, that exists in the in the sport of fishing because, you know, while you guys can't necessarily talk about, you know, fisheries and, and this and that, uh, is it nice to at least have a really good buddy that you, you know, know, love, and trust that's also – you know, fishing at the highest level because it's got to be nice to know he understands where you're coming from and, you know, vice versa. You understand, you know, things he's talking about, um, whether it's good or bad or, you know, on that roller coaster that is professional fishing. Yes. And, you know, honestly, that's where I feel like I've got an advantage on a lot of other guys. Is, you know, Atkins walked this path before I did. You know, he, um, he fished, made it professionally was fishing professionally all along. I was still finishing up school and, um, you know, working and working to qualify, working to fish the Toyota series to make the tour. But I, I got to use him as, you know, he, he was my reference. Like I could, if there was anything, not just saying about the actual fish that we're throwing at, but like, as far as the business side, you know, as far as, uh, where to stay, who to stay with, how to, we talk about people, you know, how, how do you know when to trust somebody? You know, mm-hmm. how do you, I mean, dude, that, you know, it's, it, it's such a blessing to have him to, you know, to fall on, to call when I need everything, because nine out of the 10 things I call him about, he's been through it. Sure. You know, it, it's, it's, it's really a great thing. And yeah, you know, uh, to for me and him to be as close as we are, just to be able to pick up the phone, I can ask him anything and not have to worry about anything. Like I know he's got my best interest. Uh, he's looking out for me just like I look out for him. Uh, that's awesome, man. That's, that's uh, like I said, it's, it's a pretty unique thing that, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that are friends in the sport. There's not a lot of guys with a bond, you know, like that, uh, especially, you know, for younger guys coming up in the sport too. That's, that's pretty sweet. I think, oh, yeah. uh, before I let you go, because you've, uh, you know, we've been rapping for a while. You're a busy man. I'm sure you got stuff to do. Uh, I just kind of want to ask you a few random things. The first being, do you have any superstitions, whether it's on the water or off the water? You know what? I think I, I think I kind of do. Oh, I don't, yes. Uh, yeah, I don't. 
the banana in the boat deal does not bother me. Um, I have cats, man. Cats. I cats? don't like cats. Yeah, I don't like cats in close to the road. If they cross the road, I feel like I'm already starting with something against me. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a black cat. I don't know. Just a cat. Just a cat. If a cat crosses my path, I'm like, this ain't good. <laughs> now, I think not that's good. actually, that's not that wild of a uh, superstition, though. Yeah. I can, no, no, I can I, get on board with that. Yeah. Another thing, all right, and this is this is this is kind of corny, but this is all right. If I'm fishing and I'm the, I, I'm I do not litter. I'm not a big litterer at all. But if I drop something in the lake, I will ruthlessly do whatever it takes to go retrieve it because I feel like if I let it go, it's going to work against me. I feel like yeah. anything like that, you yep. know, like yeah, that's bad anything. juju, man. Yeah, bad juju. Dude. Yep. I don't. I don't like bad juju. Yeah, I agree with you there, thousand percent. (laughs) But no, I mean, you know, I I am superstitious. I don't really know. I don't really have nothing crazy, I wouldn't say. Um, It used to be a clean boat. I used to have to wipe my boat down every time I pulled it out of the water. Oh. Like, I felt like I just had to, it was like, it was like the day was not over with or, you know, like, I felt like if I dropped the boat in the next day and the boat was dirty, I was bringing yesterday's fishing trip with me. Oh, sure. You sure. know what? Yeah. So, like, I used to scrub it up every day. It'd be my inspection, you know. It'd be my time to just reset. But now, as busy as life's gotten, we're always chasing deadlines, got somewhere to be. I can't do it like I used to, but I still keep a clean boat. Okay. I dig that. Yeah. I dig that. Yeah. What, um, you know, we we mentioned that you're, you know, you're traveling around the country all the time, whether it's for uh, work or for fishing. And uh, what are some, like, must-haves uh, snackables for Grant Galloway on the road? Like, are you uh, – do you have some drinks and some snacks you like to have, or are you one or the other? Yeah. Got to have – I got to have peanut butter. Jif, creamy peanut butter. Doesn't matter. Got to have it. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, munchies nabs, yeah. I like those little snack crackers. Mm-hmm. We call them nabs down here. I don't know what uh, – uh, yeah, but yeah, that. Um, you know, I used to growing up, we always had Viennese sausage in the boat. It's kind of trying to get away from that. It's kind of <laughs> very unhealthy, full of sodium. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much what gets me through: peanut butter, um, you know, uh, nabs, a lot, a lot of beef jerky, whatever I can find. Um, I'm I'm I like. Uh, I don't know. I'm a visual shopper, man. I like to oh, when sure. I run into a place, something I can put my hands on, and I'll try. I want so big. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I'll definitely walk around and like whatever you're feeling at the time, right? Like, ooh, yeah. ooh, that looks right. good. Okay, I can get down with that. Yeah, yeah. So you know, get the gas station, cruise around in the morning when you're getting fuel. Go in there, get your ice and snacks. Roll out. What about? Are you an energy drink guy? Or are you a coffee guy? Do you no, like caffeine? I, I, have really started drinking coffee um it's i don't know why i used to think it was nasty but now i, I really enjoy it it really gets me going now energy drinks no I, i've never really cared for them much uh just i don't know just kind of syrupy to me yeah yeah that's right i mean they're probably not great for you uh yeah probably not. however michael neal drinks one 
uh, every morning. So, right. you know, if you're looking for something, you know to, what brand uh, that is? I think I need to get some. Yeah, it's actually Bang because Michael and I, uh, we're, we love the same energy drink, uh, different flavor. Right. But uh, yeah, if you're looking for it, yeah. shout out Bang. It's what Michael Neal drinks. Yeah. Uh, black cherry vanilla, I think, is his main flavor. Black. Black cherry vanilla, that's, uh, that's that's like a contradiction, but it sounds kind of good. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, it's <laughs> he, he drank, uh, I think he had one of those every day when he won at Rayburn. So. Okay, okay. I like how you're exposing him right now. Yeah. I'm writing this stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm telling yeah. I'm, I'm giving all the secrets yeah. out. <laughs> I mean, for, yeah, a while, dude, I... for a while, I was, uh, was kind of convinced that, uh, you know, I need to start chugging Sundrop, like, at a high rate. Because uh, that's what Thrift drinks. Like, I mean, the dude will have like five bottles of Sundrop a day on the water. Who knows what he drinks before and after the tournament, right? No, yeah, man. I mean, look, whatever works, dude. Like, I'm willing to try it. You know, it it might make me (laughs) sick. But but if you start catching them, then like, yeah, yeah, okay. I can get over that. Yeah, Yeah. It might become one of my... One of my—I don't know if you call it a superstition, but it might become a ritual or something. There you go. Yeah. Uh, the final thing I want to ask you is, what about uh, you know music? What uh, what do you like listening to? Do you try to amp yourself up uh, morning of a tournament? Or are you just kind of uh, listening to whatever? No, yeah, I get amped up. Um, you know, being the Southern boy, so I graduated high school in two thousand and nine. So it was a lot of a lot of my boys are gonna know this. A lot of three six mafia, a oh, lot of rap. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 dude. I can remember being like sixteen, seventeen years old, rolling up to the ramp. I had a extended cab, GMC Z seventy one with two kicker subwoofers in it. Now we was thumping. That was back before. That was back when we was fishing before high school fishing was cool. Like, me and Atkins would show up at these ramps, bumping our music, getting <laughs> old stuff from everybody, you know. So, yeah, a lot of 3-6 Mafia, a lot of, um, man, a lot of a lot of Memphis, a lot of Memphis hip-hop. Uh, and now I've listened to Dolph, rest in peace, uh, a lot of Drake, some of his stuff, you know. Sure, but, yeah, sure. anything, get, get it rolling, you know, get get it vibing and get it bumping on the way to the ramp got to got to and if i'm feeling it i'll send it out to my buddy so you know when they wake up they've got to listen to it too <laughs> i respect that man well uh yeah. yeah grant i think on that i'm gonna let you get rolling um i had a blast talking with you getting to know you a little yeah. more um before i let you go where can the folks listening um follow you on, on social you know throughout the rest of this season and the rest of your career yeah, man. Uh, so Instagram um, is Grant Galloway Fishing, and Facebook it is uh, Grant Galloway Fishing. That's my my page. Um, y'all can add me there. There'll be plenty of avenues where you can find me. At, you know, other places. Um, you know, since the event last week, my social media has blown up, and I couldn't be more thankful. I've had people tune in to watch me on live. You know, and they 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 just said they really enjoyed watching me fish and man that means a lot i just try to forget that cameras back there and you know at the end of the day i'm gonna have a good time no matter what for sure for sure man well uh i think uh the final thing i should leave folks with is uh if you have any complaints about mapping that hasn't been done on your body of water uh send grant galloway a direct message and <laughs> he will <laughs> he'll get a hold of it he'll figure it out i appreciate that so much <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just kidding, folks. Hey, Don't do no, that. No, Don't. Hey, hey, look, you know, if there's a lake that you think we need maps, holler at your boy. We'll try to get it mapped. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Lake Master has mapped uh, almost any lake people want to fish on. Y'all got it, yeah. right? But okay. uh, I bet there's one guy sitting there like, man, they don't have my, you know, whatever, Gold Lake uh, down well, here. Why got to be <laughs> I don't know. Could be from up north. Oh, no. Oh, for no. They don't They don't have Cross Lake there, you know. Yeah, I mean, it could. Uh, you know, we, 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 you're right. We are. We're knocking out a bunch of them. And, yeah, you know, we, we don't have them all done. But uh, but we do take a lot of pride in it, and you know when people look at that Lake Master map, they know that somebody was out there mapping it. You know, so it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. We we try to we try to leave no stone unturned. That's for sure. I love it, man. Well, Grant, with that, I'm gonna let you get rolling, and uh, I appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to uh, you know, following along with how things go the rest of the season. And uh, I also look forward to, uh, you know, maybe me, you, and Atkins uh, around that Pickwick tournament before or after. Uh, get together, tell some stories, maybe have a few cold ones. I don't know. Oh, dude, that sounds like a plan. Uh, man, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, anybody that follows me, I mean, thank y'all. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to Pickwick. We're going to get after them. All right. So, Kyle, we're back. And I guess the, the main thing we should talk about here is the – pro circuit event on the Harris chain. Um, it, it was a cool tournament. Um, the final day was like a little bit lackluster, especially compared to Dude, day three. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Christian Greco, uh, caught 18 five on the final day, uh, to get the win. Andrew Loberg finished second. He had 16, 13, uh, certainly won by total weight for the week. Uh, and Sean Goodwin finished third. He had an even 16 pounds, uh, it was actually a really interesting top 10, um, I would say. Yeah, it was. Um, but anyway, where, where do we want to start? What's our what's right off the top you think we should hit here? Well, I think uh, maybe like as an all-encompassing to the Harris chain, um, we kind of got that fun diversity uh, that we see from the Harris chain. Like it's Ford yep. efficient, but it's like not in, in some aspects. And, it's uh, like I one of the most interesting forms of Florida yeah, fishing, I it, think. it's like refreshing, uh, I think. And the guys were spread out. Um, you know, I guess we look at the top ten. We had, I suppose, seven. Uh, a couple guys in Eustis. A good chunk of them in Harris. Uh, Galloway was up in um, Griffin. And then, obviously, Greco went to Apopka, though had been fishing harris so it was you know yeah. we saw well, well and, and a couple guys and in dora. gray and neil were yeah, in beauclair, uh, dora dora and beauclair yeah so pretty good diversity which is again i think you know kind of normal for the harris chain where you get you know a few different things going on in a few different lakes and um yeah that was kind of uh that was kind of fun yeah uh for sure one thing we should mention is jason reyes uh, he definitively won the Banana Cove tournament. Yes. Um, he was throwing a chatterbait in a six-inch Senko, or maybe it was a seven-inch Senko. It was a big Senko. Uh, and uh, came out of there, I guess, let's see. If I go to day three. So he came out in 10th place. Uh, Clark Ream and Aaron Britt were also fishing in there 
quite a bit, and they finished 11th and 12th. So definitely that that area was a good place to be um, for some people, for others pretty bad. Uh, but Reyes kind of took the uh, took the title in there. Notably, I'm not sure it's supposed to be called Banana Cove. Uh, did you ever talk about this with any of your boat drivers? Yeah, my my boat driver was like, oh, yeah, you want to go look at Banana Cove? Like, it was just a normal thing. And I disclosed to him that I had never heard that was the name of it. You know what I mean? Like, in, yeah. in the time of going there, uh, I've always just been like, I'm on the east side of the lake. <laughs> you know? Yep, yep, yep. And, and I've never had a boat driver before that be like, oh, yeah, no, actually, this is called Banana Cove. Yeah, so I am... Kind of in the same boat. I think that, one, everybody knows that it's called Banana Cove now. Um, but that's not necessarily, like, what it has all... I, I don't think that's what it has always been. Um, and I just spilled an incredible amount of coffee on myself. Um, wow. <laughs> let me pause and come back, Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so Kyle, I kind of forget exactly where we were, um, but I am now wearing uh, new underwear, new sweatpants. <laughs> I'm in a significantly better situation than I was a few moments ago. <laughs> what a way to start the day, man. Exactly how I managed to pull it off, I'm not really sure, <laughs> but I guess if I knew, then I wouldn't have done it. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so back to Banana Cove. Uh, first of all, my boat driver thinks that he thinks that like Mark Zona started saying it, and then it just sort of became that, which I guess is the power of Zona. Yeah, I can um, believe that. And I, I'm not against that uh, by any means. That said, there's a marina called Banana Cove Marina. There's a marina right next to it called Fisherman's Cove Marina. There's... So, we could call it Fisherman's Cove, you know? Oh, yeah. Also, apparently, some people used to call the area Lane Park because there's a road that goes along there called Lane Park Road. Ah. Um, And I feel like you could just say Behind Long Island because that's what the island is called. Yeah, Uh, like when Dorch But anyway... He was fishing over there, and I don't ever recall yeah. anyone calling it anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, no one was ever like, oh, man, he's fishing by Banana Cove, or he's right out in front of Banana Cove, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, um, you know, hey, power zona. Yeah, which, like, again, fully, fully authorized. I am happy for him to go around naming anything, really. <laughs> um, my boat driver, Lance Pemble, I did say, you know, if it doesn't really have a name, maybe we can just make a name, and I'll start calling it, like, Pemble Pocket in <laughs> all the stories. Um, but uh, we ended up not doing that, and it's, uh, I guess, going to be Banana Cove for the rest of the time now, unless maybe, like... I don't know, maybe it'll be like an NPFL tournament there, and they'll start calling it something different, and then we'll get, like, a real confused issue, you know? Oh, yeah. See, I really thought uh, that Elite Series event there, when they were talking about Banana Cove, 
I thought they were talking about the canal by takeoff uh, by the ski beach that opens up and there's like stuffed monkeys hanging everywhere in the trees. That made sense to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, like, that one's like that's like uh, 27 or 9th Street. I think that's yeah, 9th Street. I think canal, it's 9th is what Street. They call it. But uh, I was like, oh, Banana Cove, because you know it widens out, and then there's monkeys, and so I just thought that's where. And then I realized it's not where they're talking about. I was like, oh, that's where Dorch won. And then uh, then I got confused. But yeah. Here we are. It's Banana Cove. Man, though those monkeys, the maybe the weirdest thing. Creepy. Florida. Yeah. I do. <laughs> I do not like that. <laughs> it's creepy. Not at all. Yeah. Um. So anyway, shout out to Reyes. Uh, I guess we should probably. You want to dial in a little bit on what uh, Greco was doing to catch his fish? Um. Yeah, because it was, you know, given the the format of the pro circuit this year, like it was a pretty solid. Um, pretty solid approach because he really based his whole tournament on the thought that post-spawn fish on shell, um, on shell bars around Harris were going to be the deal, right? Like he knew time of year, these fish should be out there. They were, um, until they weren't, I guess <laughs> they, uh, cause he caught them pretty good the first two days, you know, that. Uh, second day is when he had his, uh, I think it was 22 pounds. Um, he caught a five pounder flipping Kissimmee grass late in the day. Uh, but otherwise the rest of it Mm -hmm. came off a shell and, uh, he was just pretty much, I mean, he had a bunch of rods on the deck, but I think the majority of the fish he caught was on the, on a Carolina rig. Um, I knew he threw a crankbait a little bit, you know, he kind of had like a rotation of things he would throw through there but carolina rig catches them and uh you know that's that was really the first three days the third day when he barely squeaked in uh in running around those shell bars he started realizing there just weren't as many fish out there and the fish that were just weren't super happy about biting um because i followed him around i guess for a little bit in the morning and uh he caught like two pretty quick off one spot and then he ran to another spot and fished around and it just like i mean very quickly he realized it was uh a waning pattern so on that final day uh had to check it again obviously because you got to drive right by a lot of his shell on the way to really anywhere else if you're gonna leave harris and uh he was like you know what i think i'm gonna go to a popka (laughs) I think I'm going to go flip. And uh, sure enough, it was a, a awesome call. Like the 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 fact, I guess it, it kind of boils back to the, the fact that he has experience on the Harris chain, right? Like he knew that with given the weather. Like Gray Buck wasn't going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gray wasn't going to do know, that. Low a McMillan could have done that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, the fact. The fact that he he thought that there would still be fish pulling up to spawn in Apopka, uh, you know, the couple days after that cold front when it was warming back up. And, uh, you know, the fishing was, like you said earlier, not great on the final day. But, uh, you know, to catch 18.5 was 
a pretty uh, pretty baller thing. And that clutch six pounder obviously is, um, you know, kind of the what sealed the deal. And uh, but it really drove home the point that the decision to go to a popka was the correct one, and uh, you know, the hundred thousand dollar choice. Yeah, it was obviously the right call. Um, that said, I still am mystified by the way, why the fishing was so bad on day four. Dude, I, like, yeah. it was so good on day three. And uh, day four was just not it, apparently. Now, I will say, back to the Loberg-Sean Goodwin uh, dynamic, because those guys were fishing, like, basically right next to each other. Uh, on that uh, little chunk of bank in Eustis. And A, there must have been a pile of fish (laughs) around there because, you know, those dudes kind of worked on them for four If either of them has it all to themselves, I would say probably one of them wins. Yep, yep. Um, Because, like, so I talked to both of them. I I went pretty in-depth for a top 10 patterns article, which I never actually wrote because I decided to fish instead. That's fair. Um, which I thought was the smart move. Uh, but, you know, they basically, where uh, where Goodwin was fishing, there was like some shell uh, out sort of on a point. But what most of them were fishing was just grass, you yeah. know, hydro. Yeah. And it was interesting. Loberg had a really good morning bite. And said there wasn't a shad spawn really going on. Granted, he also said he's never seen a shad spawn before, which... <laughs> Andrew, you're going to see one of yeah, those. you're going to come across uh, one here, bud. And then, um, possibly maybe at Pickwick or Gunnersville. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, um, for, uh, for Goodwin, his fish were kind of biting more in the afternoon. And Goodwin told me, and I, I'm not going to dispute it, but I also don't really... I didn't ask Loberg about it, and I wasn't there so much. But Goodwin told me that basically, like, they kind of drew an imaginary line in between where they were fishing, and just one of them fished one side and one of them fished the other side. I don't know Dude, exactly. No, it, that but, is uh, definitely true, because when I found Loberg on the final day, uh, he was kind of behind a dock. So, you know, the, the tracker showed him there, and I... I Rolled up, and you know how dark it was on the final day in the morning. I'm like, man, I just, I don't see him, but I see Sean. Yeah. Well, Loberg was basically, they were fishing at each other, and they literally hit, like, this stretch of bank between two docks and just spun around and went back the way they came from. And I was like, huh, look at that. But they just kept doing it. I was like, well, this is kind of, this, yeah. <laughs> this, this is kind of nice. Yeah, they were, uh, they they were very, they were sharing uh, very carefully, let's yeah. say. Um. I could see another instance where they would just both fish the same water the whole time, you know, or something else. But anyway, uh, mostly what they were fishing was just a hydrilla edge. Mm-hmm. Um, it had good grass. Uh, Loberg, and I, I think it was Nice who said that he found the best population of fish, the healthiest, the fattest fish in Eustis when he came in pre-practice. And, I mean, Eustis is a pretty small lake, and three of the top ten came out of there, so... I think that there's uh, something to that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, which is a far cry from when it used to be called Lake Useless. So that's a, <laughs> right. That's impressive. Right, she's coming back. Yeah. Um, 
But anyway, uh, Loberg threw like a vibrating jig and a square bill and all sorts of stuff. He caught some on a double buzz bait. He caught some on a jerk bait. Um, like he threw a, a wide variety of baits to catch his fish. Uh, Goodwin, on the other hand, basically threw just a hybrid hunter. Um, and the I think the interesting thing about it was his hook selection. Um, oh, yeah. He was using a one-aught treble on the back and a two-aught treble on the front. He started the tournament with a, one, a number one on the back and a one-aught on the front and decided to upsize after losing fish on day one. Huh. That's quite the uh, so, quite uh, the adjustment too, like in in hook size. I mean, well, I guess one aught to two aught is either way. Like the fact that he's like, yeah, I'm going up, baby, <laughs> uh, was impressive to me. This is Florida, uh, baby. Hogs. Kind of it. Yeah, a lot of it I think was born of his uh, experience with a plopper, which being an Ozark guy, Grand Lake guy, he has a lot of true plopper experience. So. That was uh, that was kind of the deal there for him. Um, I'm trying to think. There's a few other ones we, other sort of guys we should probably touch on um, in the top ten. And I think probably foremost among them is Jeff Reynolds, who caught them like basically the most baller way ever on day. Yeah, three. I was gonna say. Speaking of floppers, <laughs> yeah, baby. Oh, <laughs> uh, you were there. You want to tell us about it? Uh, yeah, he was fishing. Um, the south end of Little Harris, um, that there's a little flat down there. Um, and I actually ran down there to check on like Casey Scanlon. And I think Justin Cooper was down there and, uh, like they were all kind of in the same thing. And in the distance, I saw Reynolds like run to the back of the boat. And then like I saw a bunch of water splashing and I saw him hold a fish up that, you know, at several hundred yards away, looked to be the size of him. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, I better go check on that. So I roll over there, and he's weighing fish and uh, kind of holds it up as I'm trolling over there. I'm like, dang, that's a big-looking fish. So I was like, hey, man. And I think at that time, we didn't have... Uh, yeah, did he have a Marshall or not? He did have a Marshall. We did not have any updates. So yeah, so he just had a Marshall who was bad at yeah, his job. Yeah, so I... <laughs> shout out to him. I assumed... That first fish, I was like, dang, man, that's a good one, you know, to start the day. What, you know, what do you think it weighs? And he's like, oh, no, I got a limit. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, what, you know, what do you think you got? He's like, I don't know, like 23. It's like, uh, what? What? (laughs) He's like, yeah, man. He's like, and I'm catching him on a plopper. And I said, oh, what? (laughs) And then, sure enough, like he... (laughs) couple casts later he's like yeah the sun comes out i could see the clumps of hydrill a little better but i'm just throwing a plopper around and a couple one blows up on the popper catches that one calls up a little bit and i was like huh (laughs) look at that he's like yeah man they've just been wrecking it today and uh yeah it was pretty like he never really got a practice uh with a plopper he just kind of thought uh like you know again reynolds uh does a lot of damage with the plopper, throws it around the Ozarks a lot, throws it around, well, really, anywhere. Uh, you know, he top 10 at the Toyota Series Championship last year uh, with pretty much just a plopper in his hand. 
So, uh, yeah, he just kind of had a feeling it was going to work, and it did. Uh, it should have worked on the final day, too. Like, speaking of, uh, you know, things that didn't live up to the hype, like, dude had the bites to probably, like, I mean, you think he probably would have won it on the final day if you would have got those in the boat or landed them? Ah, it would have been really close. Because it was a couple good ones he missed, Because, like, right? dude, yeah, so, one, he definitely, it, it, you I, you can't, like, just cleanly do the math and be like, oh, yeah, he for sure would have won. But he lost one that was, like, really big. And then he lost another that was, like, a four-something. And then he lost another one that was pretty big, too. And... You know, depending on Florida math, like, he would have had a really good shot to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but, dude, man, I thought I was going to see it go down. Like, I got there, and he's like, yeah, I already caught a five. And I'm like, oh, baby. <laughs> and then he proceeds to lose, like, three good ones in, you know, 40 minutes. And then I'm like, okay, well, it's going to connect. It's yeah, going to happen. Gonna have. And then... <laughs> He just, like, didn't get a bite on the plopper the rest of the day. Then later on, he pulled out a spook, and I was like, oh, this is going to be it right here. Let's go, baby. (laughs) Nope. Hmm. Oh, man. It was so disappointing, but so epic. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that was Um, pretty cool. It wasn't, like, a a super big area that he was fishing. But, yeah, there were just scattered hydrilla clumps, and it was the clumps of hydrilla that came... uh, closer to the surface was uh i think the gist of what he was telling me that he was targeting uh and those there was a lot of bait around him and stuff and then those post-spawn big females were kind of lingering around yeah and honestly you know i don't know how many fish he lost on day three or if he lost any i i think on day four they were probably eating the bait a little bit differently but that was not an area to me, that looks like it should be easy to get the fish in. He was making long mm-hmm. casts. There's a lot of hydrilla. These fish have a big bait attached to their head coming in. And they're big fish. Like, he's making long enough casts that he's not going to just beat this fish and pull it into the boat. Right. Especially with the size involved. Like, he was cruising for some losing at, at some point in time. And it caught up with him that final day, I guess. Yep. Um, but, yeah, that was... Uh, Man, it was cool. The other uh, cool thing um, was Michael Neal catching 27-11 on day Jeez. three. Um, which, like, oh, my God, Michael Neal. Watch out, yeah, baby. Dude is good. I I have – so I haven't put him on my fantasy team for this tournament, and then I also didn't put it on put him on it for Redcrest. And I feel – on the one hand, I like Michael Neal. I want him to succeed, and I wonder if maybe I just shouldn't put him on at all. <laughs> but he did win Rayburn with me with on the fantasy team. So probably I should just lock him in there the rest of the year because, like, my God, the man is on a roll. Dude, seriously. Um, but anyway, so Neal caught all his fish, basically the whole tournament, definitely the majority of his weight, on one hard spot um, in Beauclair that he says he found last year in the Bass Pro Tour event. And he caught them, like, almost all of them on a Carolina rig. Yep. Uh, so, shout out to the Carolina rig. Yeah, but the Sea rig uh, has been uh, catching some fish this year in these first couple tournaments. Yeah, I, I mean... I don't, I wouldn't like bet on it to be a huge player at these next two. 
I guess. Could be. It could be, but uh, probably not. <laughs> probably probably not, though. We're probably looking at, you know, more some some more new school techniques at these next couple. Uh but I mean, you know, Champlain can uh can do some things with his Carolina rig. And uh, you know, we saw Justin Cooper catch a lot of fish on a Carolina rig yeah. last year at the title or at the uh, St. Lawrence, so like who knows? Probably no Carolina rig action on the James. But I don't know anything about the James, so <laughs> we'll leave that until we get there, I guess. Um But yeah, Carolina rig making a comeback. Yeah, man. Um because Milner caught a ton of fish on it. Uh, Lloyd Pickett probably would have won this tournament. Oh, sure. I, I was just going to say, uh, if Lloyd Pickett was fishing, we'd probably see him throwing it at Pickwick and Gunnersville. But, uh, yeah, Lloyd probably would have ran away with it. Kerry Milner, though, uh, always catching him on a Carolina rig. Dude, always. You know, he caught 22-13 on day one, and then he kind of tailed off pretty hard. But, like, that man... He has so much confidence in that thing, which it works obviously. Yeah. But I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's someone in the field who has like a comparably, uh, it who has a technique that they are co- as comfortable locking it in their hand and fishing it in all manner of places as Milner is with the Carolina rig. Yeah, like, it, it's impressive. Yeah, I I mean I guess it would be uh, like maybe John Cox with a general. Right, that'd probably be the only other close yeah, comparison. John, John with a wacky yeah. rig. <laughs> but yeah, remember no, that, Milner that caught that big is bag on comp, Smith yeah. last year on a Carolina rig. Yep. Uh, yeah, and uh, he caught him really good at Martin in 2020 on a Carolina yeah. rig. Yeah. Uh, he he'll bust that thing out and do some damage. Yeah, he's not afraid of the old oh. ball and chain. Yeah. Anyway. That probably brings us through our uh, about as much pattern breakdown as we want for the Harris Chain. Uh, yeah, I reckon. All right. Let's uh, dip into our predictions a little bit and dip into the standings. I guess the first thing to mention is our rookie standings because uh, they are honestly a lot more interesting than the pro circuit, than sort of the overall standings. Because overall, it's basically Michael Neal and then you know, like a bunch of people you expect to be there, but <laughs> right. also they're all getting beat by Michael Neal, like pretty significantly. So uh, we'll see. He may be able to take the final event off at this rate. <laughs> yeah, really. He might be able to just coast. Um, But on the rookie of the year side, it's, I would say, a lot more interesting. Uh, you got Keith Carson sitting in 18th overall with 333 points leading uh, for ROI. Which is not a surprise. I think he was picked by many of our experts mm-hmm. to do well. You've got Jeff Bridges, Big Fish Bridges in 21st with 323, so kind of right there. Uh, Christian Greco in 28th, Andrew Loberg in 44th, uh, Philip Dutra in 56th, and then Sean Goodwin, Andy Newcomb uh, in 65th and 66th for our uh, Ozark contingent. And then our Tennessee. River contingent is uh, Andy Newcomb or is Blake Hall and Nick Hatfield and Mickey Beck in 70th, uh, 79th, and 87th, and then uh, Martin Villa in 93rd. Or Martin Steve Lopez. We're not really <laughs> sure about that. <laughs> uh, 
We learned a lot of things about pronunciation at this Harris Chain yeah, event. We, we, we uh, getting, shout out to Greg. Yeah, we were getting dialed in. Yeah. Um, and then Steve Lopez, 97th. Cole Hewitt, 107th. It's There are some rookies having really bad starts. Um, uh, but, like Jeff McClain, not going well. Um, then again, he gets to go on Pickwick, and he's pretty good at Pickwick. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like it looks like we probably have a pretty exciting angle of the year race the rest of the way, or rookie of the year race, unless Keith Carson just runs away with it. Which I mean, he could. He might. Yeah, like yeah, he's gonna probably just keep catching them in these. Uh, well, really, I guess the rest of the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, uh, I think we'll see some of those guys. You know, like you mentioned, the Tennessee River contingent. Uh, you know, Hall and Hatfield and Beck, like those 70, 80 position guys. Uh, I think they're going to move Yeah, up. I think we'll see some shaking, uh, shaking and moving here on uh, the next two Tennessee River events. Uh, but yeah, it, it definitely, the rookie uh, standing is, like you said, more interesting than I thought it would be uh, for, you know, two tournaments in. Yeah. One thing I think that's worth noting is our Western dudes are uh, doing pretty good. Um, yeah. You know, Greco and Loberg, or sorry, Loberg and Dutra, uh, 44th, 56. You know, they're traveling together. They're, you know, both of them made day three, I think, at this one. Uh, Loberg obviously made the final day, almost won. You know, they uh, they're looking pretty good. They're looking like they're the real deal, which is, we definitely, I mean, I think a lot of us thought pretty convincingly that Loberg could be the real deal, and Dutra, you know, I think that we thought he could be the real deal too, but also we wanted to see a little more outside of the West Coast, because he really didn't have much non-West Coast experience, and boy, it looks like they're well-suited to this. Um, Yeah. I mean, man, if... uh, if Loberg had won, like, I'd be, we'd be ready to, you know, be like, all right, this is it. This is the next, uh, next Justin Lucas, next Brent Ayler. This is our boy. You know Did, what I mean? I mean, we were, which we were so close to, uh, hyping Loberg up, which, you know, maybe we, we hype him up a lot. We, we're, yeah. we're, we're a very pro Loberg podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't think we, we shouldn't, uh, be hyping him up. But yeah, like, man, if he would have won, uh, we would have just been, uh, we would have hit a new yeah, level. singing some serious praises, which you know, Loberg still love you, but uh, it'll happen. And yeah, I think you're right. Like, especially for those West Coast guys, I feel as a rookie, it's a lot harder to kind of jump on the bandwagon of like, okay, I know this guy's good, but is he gonna be that good out east? Because there's a lot of similarities, but at the same time, like, I mean. There's something to be said about, you know, learning Florida or, or even, like, you know, the Tennessee River or, you know, there's, like, these little niches for each area of the country we go to. And the West is just yeah. kind of so isolated. Um, I don't I feel like you don't have as good a gauge as you would, you know, when you see guys coming out of Alabama, Tennessee, you know, Texas, whatever, the, the normal bass fishing belt. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, glad glad those guys are uh, Dutra and Loberg are kind of living up to the expectations we uh, 
we thought they should. Yeah, and like, you know, one thing about the West that I, I think is, it, it makes it tricky to just immediately translate over, at least in my mind, is their fisheries are not big. The Cal Delta is a pretty large fishery, but if you look at Clear Lake, it's tiny. <laughs> Clear Lake there. is small. <laughs> if you look at Havasu, it's also tiny. I've been there. Yeah, like, yep. They, and then they have to roll back east, and obviously these guys are putting in pre-practice time, which is so key. I don't think they'd be doing very well without it. For sure. But, you know, two days to break down a new fishery and learn how to and, – and then go compete in a tournament against guys who have, you know, fished it their whole lives. Like, both of these guys – like, you know, the Lane brothers were in this tournament. Like, <laughs> Randall Tharp was in this <laughs> right. tournament. We talk about a surprise, Randall Tharp, day two. What are you doing, Randall Dude. Tharp? Um, you know, it's a big, big ask, mm-hmm. and uh, it's really impressive how well they're doing so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well said. Um, but yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm looking forward to our cropper rookies this year. I, uh, there were a lot of people who picked like, well, not a lot, but some folks from our predictions, uh picked like quite a few people like quite a few rookies to make the uh title it seems like we might be in for kind of a lighter uh crop of rookies at the title than usual just based on the current standings but we'll see um but uh anyway one thing we should also mention while we're kind of still on harris still doing some stat stuff I haven't done the math on the biggest four-day wait, and we have a lot of other events ahead of us that people have picked. But the uh, all of the people, all of our predictions for biggest single-day bag are in the past now because everyone either predicted Rayburn or the Harris Chain, and then X amount of wait. Yep. Um, probably. So the closest people I would say. Uh, Kyle, you picked 35-7 at Sam Rayburn. Marty Stone picked 38-12 for Sam Rayburn. Ooh. So I want to shout out you guys for being really optimistic. <laughs> you got to um, believe. But also wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the Harris Chain, um, Chad McKee picked 27-10, and Alex Davis picked 27-7. Uh, McKee was just an ounce off from being exactly dead on. Dang. Uh, with uh, what Neil caught. Um, and then Alex Davis was obviously right there. Uh, I had 28-7. Washam had 28 even for the Harris chain. JT Kenny was high. He had 30-15. But uh, basically, McKee, especially Alex Davis, to a large degree, uh, crushed it on the biggest weight predictions. Shout out. Um that said, you know, the St. Lawrence has some potential <laughs> to have more than 27. It could be done. It's not, I would say, likely, but it's possible. Yo, here's the here's the thing, too. Uh, also, not totally out of the question, we could see something like that happen at Pickwick. Oh, or the James. Or the James. I think it's much less likely at the James. The James, the problem with the James is the post spawn. Yeah. Uh, Pickwick is possible. Gunnersville very unlikely, I think, with the way the lake currently fishes. Um, 
But I mean, you know, who knows with tail races now, right? Anything, <laughs> anything is possible. Uh, so yeah, I I would say it's not a hundred percent chance that these predictions are the last time we'll touch on you know guys hitting that twenty seven pound mark. But man, people are catching big bags this year, all across tournament fishing. Yeah. Like I was listening to uh, BTL the other day and. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Pangrack was like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not gonna get excited unless it's like a nine pounder or a thirty pound bag. Like twenty pound <laughs> bags are old news now. Yeah. And, I mean, he's kind of not wrong. He right. <laughs> like, I feel like guys are popping thirty pounds much more than they ever did. Uh, granted, some of it is like the elite series schedule, but which is super dope so far. Yeah. Uh, but like some of it is just that. Like, seems like there's a lot of big fish out there. The fishing seems pretty yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, there's some big so, ones that swim in I'm these I'm down lakes. for that. Yeah. Now, let's not go look at the results on Kentucky Lake uh, <laughs> and or the Ohio River. Let's not get ahead of Avert ourselves Avert your this, gaze. But <laughs> yeah, some places the fishing is really good. Um, also, uh, for... Um, for the title predictions, uh, we are, let's see, where was my title prediction deal here? I had it in here a second ago. Who will win the title? Oh, who wins the title? Um, I would say it's looking definitely fine, possible for everybody, except maybe for the two people who picked Scott Dobson. Yeah. Um, which are myself and, uh, Alex Davis. Uh, we definitely had high hopes. Um, so far this year, uh, Dobber is sitting 140th in points. He's finished 123rd and 133rd. Oof. And, uh, dude, he is going to need to, like, freaking top 10 the rest of the way, probably, to make the title. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that dream of uh, seeing him fishing for 300,000 for smallmouth uh for the second time in 3 years or whatever probably not happening dobber man super annoying um also from a who makes the most top 10 standpoint uh we got a lot of John Cox picks um which he hasn't made any yet, so those are going to be probably bad. But he could go uh, four Davis for four. Michael... He could go four for four. Problem is, Alex Davis picked Michael Neal, who's got two already. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so probably it's going to be Michael Neal. Yo, um, Alex Davis, really good at predicting things. He's great at... Pre- I mean, okay. Do you want to get to a bad one, though? Yes. All right. Who do you think he predicted for comeback angler of the year? Oh, uh, I don't know. Well, he predicted Tim Frederick. Oh. Who is 157th in points mm. and caught five fish total at the uh, at Rayburn and seven fish total at the Harris Chain, which is Ooh. his home body of water. Ooh. That's rough. Uh, That's so, rough. Tim Frederick, so far, 
not really living up to the uh, good mojo well, that uh, Alex was trying to get. Alex, him. you can't win them all. Other ones, our other picks are looking pretty good. You've pulled out Grant Galloway. I mean, literally already, even if he finishes 100th the rest of the year, this is a comeback for oh, him. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, like, you know, <laughs> all the other guys. I guess Brandon, Brandon Rowan picked Brett Height. I feel like Brett Height's kind of doing bad this year, but we won't worry about too much. Yeah, I think he'll. Daryl Davis might also be doing bad this year. I don't know, but, so you know, others seem fine. Uh, the folks listening to this podcast – uh, already heard this from the interview with Galloway, but he he was like, man, after, because at Rayburn he finished like 150th or something. And he's like, man, on the way home I was driving and I thought, dang, Kyle thought I was going to be the, going to have a comeback year and here I am, <laughs> dropping triple. <laughs> I was like, sorry sorry to put that pressure on you, man. <laughs> sorry sorry about that. It's like, I just couldn't help but think about Golly. it. <laughs> Um, anyway, I feel like we've, we've spent probably 40 minutes or so talking about one tournament and really, we haven't really talked in a while, so it's good that we got to do this, Uh, but also it's probably time to move on. Probably. Yes. Um, what do you want to hit next? Should we sort of mention, uh, some of the Oklahoma stuff and then dive into things that we have like actual knowledge about? Yes. All right. Well, I guess, first of all, uh, the uh, Abu Garcia College Fishing National Championship goes down next week on Fort Gibson. Um, It is uh, March 29th through 31st. I fly out uh, tomorrow for it, so I got to do a lot of laundry today. Um, I talked with James Elam for, like, the preview. It, like kind of sounds like it's gonna be a cool tournament um yeah i've never really i've never been to fort gibson before have you no i haven't and uh I feel like no we talked about it the other day we also like most of our tournament experience um is like summertime fall uh so this is kind of i guess yeah. a exciting time frame to to visit gibson uh from a fish catching standpoint yeah it sounds like you know it sounds like like many lakes Fort Gibson is significantly better in the spring um, or has potential to be. Right. Uh, the one issue that we could run into is the water level. Um, it's a uh, Fort Gibson from what Elam says, basically Grand Lake is above it. And then Hudson Lake is above it. And, they typically will run the water out of those lakes and not really raise them very much and then dump it into Fort Gibson. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, which, uh, currently, um, Fort Gibson is actually, it, it rose up a bunch, uh, just a few days ago. Um, it came, it went from, so March 17th, it was at 555 feet. Uh, March 25th, it was at 559 feet, oh. and it's now coming down uh, moderately slowly, it looks like. If it stays coming down for that for this tournament next week, it's probably going to be really good. If they get more rain and 
it rises up again and like really floods back into the bushes because it's a pretty flat lake. So like when it, when the water comes up, the fish can go way back. I would say it sounds like it'd probably be tough, but I think we are potentially lining up for like kind of a shallow water Oklahoma slugfest. Ooh. Um, potentially, I I like potential. You know, we're a ways out. I like potential, but it, it could be pretty cool. I'd be down um, with that. And it's like a, you know, I'm I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, from just from sort of an event standpoint, um, you know, this year, uh, first of all, there's like a couple of fun notes about the field. One is that there's only one team now, or one school now, that has qualified for every single national championship we've had. This is the 13th one. That team, of course, Auburn. War um, Eagle, baby. They've got like seven boats in the tournament again. Um, I think of the of the anglers in the tournament, the one who has the most top tens is Cole Breeden, mm. which is interesting. Last year's champ. Um, I don't think that uh, I don't think he's fishing with Cameron Smith again, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I need to check, but anyway. We've got 20, we have uh, 16 colleges that are at it for the first time ever this year, um, which is kind of cool. And it's also the largest national championship that we've ever run. There's 81 colleges, 178 teams, 356 anglers. Um, Previous field size record was 172 teams in 2018. Sheesh. Um, so, uh, Fort Gibson going to be pretty busy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we'll probably see some highlights. And also, you know, I'm, uh, obviously Kyle, you and I are both super old now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, at least I'm super old, but I, I, I still cannot just scroll through college ranks and just notice people and be like, oh, I know them. But I feel like this tournament is a little bit of a changing of the guard, you know? Yeah. Tristan McCormick, not there. Like, Cole Floyd, long gone. Um, you know, we're going to see some... It seems like we are starting into the next generation of college anglers. Like, you know, Cole Breed and Cameron Smith, I think they were both sophomores when they won last year. It feels like we're pretty well into, like, guys who, in that class of uh, college angler. Yeah. Um, like, there's a lot of Adrian guys whose name, you know, I was pretty familiar with. And, you know, some of them are in this tournament, like, for sure. Um, but there's also, like, a pretty good chunk of new ones. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's going to be... It, it'll be fun to watch. I... College fishing really invigorates me. I, I generally... I, I, I yeah. really enjoy being I, there. I will say uh, it is always a pleasure uh and it's very refreshing to deal with college tournaments uh you know yeah. no knock on other tournaments but yeah like it's just a different level of excitement you know it's probably some of the youthfulness of the guys but also it's like uh you know the team aspect of it's really cool and uh that's why jody we need to start a uh i love a team derby professional level team circuit like the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit 
Team Derby. Team edition. So I think that that would be super cool. I wonder if you could make it worth it from like the money standpoint. But man, we should do it. We should. Let's quit our jobs and start a new tournament trail. Here we go, baby. (laughs) We could do that while (laughs) we're doing our our 39 hours (laughs) podcast. We'll yeah, we have a lot course. of things that we need to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it's definitely. I love the teams. I love the. Uh, I, I love the youth. I love the excitement. Um, I like how many people like have their families there with yeah. them. Like that's always kind of yep. cool. Like having mom and dad there at the national championship. Like it's just a fun thing. Um, so I definitely am looking forward to this. I. Seems like we're going to Oklahoma a lot for the national championship. I guess it is nice and central, sort of. But man, it's a long way from Vermont. Like, <laughs> if we ever wanted to do, you know, like a summertime one on like one of the Great Lakes, would not say no. I mean, <laughs> really, like we could too, right? Because you know, it's all teams that qualified Dude. from the uh, previous year. Yeah, you can do it whenever. Yeah, like, and I mean. Actually, Bass does it like pretty successfully. They've done a lot of, they've done quite a few smallmouth national championships now, and I don't hate the summertime natty. Uh, I don't either. But you know, it is what it is. I'm not complaining per se because there's going to be tournaments there regardless. But also, be super nice to just drive to one. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Uh, I guess I just I did drive to the Potomac, which man that Potomac National Championship actually turned out to be really good. Well, that's because the Potomac is near and dear to your heart. Uh, uh, yeah, it's one of the best <laughs> fishes in the country. Love that place. <laughs> yeah, my home state, the Potomac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, Kyle, I guess we should note that Redcrest is happening. Um, yeah, as we're recording this, uh, the knockout round is getting ready to. Uh, get rolling or knockout round the for knockout group a. rounds uh, yeah they the format is different now yep um which is a thing that i sort of halfway through the tournament figured out i was like oh it's not winning you're in now okay gotta keep catching them baby uh i want to say i was really impressed with how how thoroughly uh wheeler just adopted that to where like he essentially as far as I can tell, did not try at all on day two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, it, it uh, was... Uh, I guess watch out. Yeah. Now, as of right now, who do you think is going to win Redcrest? I mean, probably... Uh, probably Jacob Wheeler. He's pretty good. Yeah, he is pretty good. That's... I, I like... How about you? What do you well, what's your... <laughs> I just don't think he tried yesterday, you know? Well, and I don't and think, I'm like, not saying that Neil... Uh, but I also don't think... Neil kind of tried. For a little I bit. don't think... I don't think Edwin is trying either. Yeah, see, that's exactly and what I was going to bring up. And Edwin... He's a problem on Grand Lake. Yeah, yes. Uh, I really think it comes down to Edwin Wheeler. Uh, no knock on Neil. I'm sure he'll be... You know, we just keep disrespecting Michael Neal. Well, it works because then he wins stuff. So <laughs> then he wins. Do, yeah, that's the key. You, you gotta. <laughs> yeah, this but, is a strategy. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think. Uh, uh, I don't know. 
I, I think a guy who people are discounting is Zach Burge. I actually read um, a... Uh, oh, Eli, what are you doing in here? Um, I actually read on a, th- a thing from uh, Baylog on uh, Bass Fan. I should try and find it. Because uh, it... He was like... He basically he was like Zach Burge is too young and inexperienced and he's gonna get beat, and I was like, whoa! I would not. I don't think I would have just said that. Yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, like Burge got like thirty pounds in a uh, BFL on Grand once, if I remember correctly. Maybe not thirty. Yeah, he, Sorry, Eli, you came. He in did here. drop the hammer. Here. The door only goes one way. Uh, remember that huge bag? I forget what it was. Yeah. Um, I'll look that up. One factor, here's here's Baylog. One factor against Burge taking the title is he's too local and has less experience than a bunch of his competition. This will simply get in the way of him getting the job done. I look for Burge to come out strong, but get beat by a hammer in the end. Sorry, Zach. Mm. Like, I, I don't know, man. Uh, like, by the way, Burge caught is... 29 pounds, one ounce on Grand Lake in a BFL, uh, 2015. Golly. Yeah. And also, Burge was definitely not trying very hard these first couple days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... Like, that's... Like, he was just fishing, like, totally normal stuff. I don't think he fished anything secret. I, uh... I think he's got some secret stuff. <laughs> I, I, it, it's almost kind of hard to jump on the bandwagon because like you said guys caught him really good and then yesterday uh basically just practiced or you know fish stuff that they thought maybe would be good well i guess it's still practicing yeah there wasn't a whole lot of guys really trying right they don't want to keep leaning on it uh another takeaway though from grand uh is grand lake just is about what we always expect from it uh in that it has just stupid good quality fish in it. Like, there's just a lot yeah. of good ones in Grand Lake. They keep talking about how it's, like, the best non-grass lake. And I think probably Lake of the Ozarks is better than Grand Lake. Um, yeah. But, like, it's, uh... And, and I guess there's maybe some smallmouth situations that, you know, would be a little more interesting. Um, but, like, man... Other than, other than Lake of the Ozarks, I really struggle to think of a lake that is, you know, as consistent as Grand Lake, and it's kind of shocking to yeah. me because it's it gets hammered. There's uh, it's I guess it's a pretty good size lake, but like every tournament, it seems like the fishing is tough and people moan and groan. And then the weights end up being really good. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a hard lake for me to pin down, but definitely, it sort of turns. It it sort of seems like most Grand Lake tournaments end up being pretty similar, and they end up being pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. Even the college natty last year, there was ice on the lake, and guys caught them yeah. all right. Yep. Um. Have not seen anyone break out a crappie jig in Red not Crest yet, yet, though. So not yet. Stay tuned. Uh, they probably dialed in on the Top 10 Baits article from last year. They're going to be ready to rock here on on uh, the, the cut days. Mm-hmm. 
you watch uh, Edwin will win it on a crappie jig. <laughs> hey guys, check out the new Berkeley Agent E crappie edition. Yeah. The <laughs> 1.5 inch. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. No, it, dude. I mean, honestly, I would think it could be pretty good. Um. Anyway, shall we talk a little BFL action? Yeah, we should. We should burn through these fairly quick, uh, so we can get to like a quick uh, Jody fishing update and then some Bomo stuff. But uh, we had a couple BFLs this past weekend. A lot of BFLs recently had been getting reshuffled because of weather and whatnot. So uh, this was uh, we'll kick it off with the Oki Division event on Lake Eufaula or Eufaula Lake, whatever the one in Oklahoma. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Ted Switzer is Switzer? actually. I was gonna go Switzer. Switzer, but we'll yeah. go Switzer. Uh, either way, he won it. Twenty-three pounds, uh, six ounces. Um, I guess really like he started fishing Alabama rig, and uh, then caught a couple big ones. Went a while without anything. Uh, then threw a jerk bait and a crankbait caught some fish and caught a pretty solid bag they actually caught him pretty good uh new has got him uh which you know the weights kind of reflected also shout out to chris jones uh and jeff crete catching fish dude chris jones caught a nine pounder yeah that helps the cause he only had four fish also <laughs> chris jones four fish yeah. for 18 six with a nine pounder so that goes a long way uh, but that's all I guess I got about that. Um, what happened? Oh, now I clicked out of a thing. Gosh dang it. I'll do this Millsap. All right. One. How's that yep. sound? All right. So, uh, Lake Kiwi, um, David Millsaps, uh, caught five for 19.5 to win the, uh, Kiwi event, uh, Savannah River Division. He, uh, Basically caught him on a jig on uh, Rocky Points, um, which is, you know, sure. pretty solid. Yeah. It's about what should happen. Uh, hey, dogs, you guys want to chill, like, a little bit? <laughs> Maybe? No? Um, Jason Burroughs finished second. He had 18-3. Then uh, Bo Price uh, had 17-5. And, you know, kind of uh, trickled our way down from there. Uh, definitely, I-, I would say, a pretty solid tournament. Um, but not anything like wild. Uh, Burroughs in second had a 715 largemouth, which is uh, pretty big on Kiwi. Yeah. Dang. Um, I guess that brings us to the final BFL, right? Um, I believe so. Mountain Division. It was on Dale Hollow. And Tristan Abbott, who, you know, probably we should be keeping an eye on, maybe? Uh, He's catching them really good these last couple of years. Yeah, he won it with 20 pounds and an ounce. Uh, caught him on an A-rig and a Berkeley Stunna jerkbait. Uh, basically fishing like channel swings and chunk rock uh, mid-lake. Uh, Says he's been pretty dialed all winter. Fished around that same stuff. Um, and he's pretty stoked about winning because he won AOI last year. And uh, dude's had some top 10s, but you know finally got the monkey off his back and got the W. And, uh, again, Dale Hollow, pretty good fishery. The weights were pretty solid. Uh, yeah, 
Dale Hollow. I mean, dude, Dale Hollow, I wish we could keep smallmouth. Right? Gosh, oh. it's so annoying. But yeah, it's good. It's a solid place. Uh, shout out to Ryan Davidson also. For a top 10. Uh, always. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. Um, but that's it for BFLville. All right. Uh, first of all, Eli, quit it. <laughs> you came in here. You're stuck in here. <laughs> this is home now. Dude, the door goes one... It goes two ways, right? But there, his water like dish zone is put on the other side, so it really only opens one way. <laughs> and he doesn't seem to understand that. <laughs> oh, but, dog. Tough beans, bud. Yep. Um, but yeah, anyway, I think that that pretty much covers us for actual tournaments. Uh, as far as fishing, Kyle, have you gone fishing at all? What's your ice status? Oh, What's your sturgeon status? Ice is long gone. Uh, I probably won't get a sturgeon fish at all. Uh, Tragic. Maybe, maybe the, like, 9th, 10th of April, maybe. But I'm not, I'm not planning on it. That would be my only opportunity. Uh, but, yeah, ice has been long gone here. I actually, my parents are in town, and uh, my dad and I, I think tomorrow are gonna go to uh we gotta pattern some turkey guns get ready for turkey season but also the place we're doing it at uh has a couple ponds on it that have some pretty good largemouths so you can guarantee i'm bringing some rods and i'm slinging some slinging some baits around i'm gonna try to catch one i don't know if i will but i'm gonna try to catch me one i like it now i did catch them pretty good in day five so i i feel like i've you know, at least scratch the itch. He cracked him in day five. Yeah, yeah really poured it on Christian. <laughs> yeah, no no doubt about it. Um, well, the nice thing for me is that a lot of uh, a lot of our water is open now. Dude, that's um, big that's big time. My my smallest and most favored lakes are not yet. They will definitely be by the time i get back uh which is uh from oklahoma which is annoying because really i want to be the first boat in uh, on a lot a lot of times i oh, dude i love like i just like being the first one. Oh you know yeah what I mean? it's just fun um but uh i guess i'll you know get after it here when i can mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but uh it's pretty much game time i went to candlewood one day uh, fish with Weensy, we sucked. Uh, well, we didn't suck. We just didn't do great. Uh, he caught like a five and a half, which is pretty dope. Um, might have been bigger, uh, but my scale batteries were dead. So nice. you know, I learned a new thing. Yeah, way to kick the year uh, off. I was like, hey, got to put batteries in the scale. I put batteries in the scale. Went to Champlain the next day. Guess what? They worked. Nice. So uh, yeah, we're uh, we're back in business. It does cost like a hundred dollars for me to go fishing every time. That's gross. But uh. You know what? I don't have any lakes close to me. Yep, so <laughs> and, uh, you gotta do what you gotta do. That's uh, that's just how life is. Yep. Just gotta go, gotta go catch them. Um, but yeah, it's definitely spring has uh, pretty much sprung. Um, the ice, if you look uh, as of the twenty second of March, um, the ice is mostly all out of the St. Lawrence and out from in front of uh, 
like the river because like it stacks up on like by Shamo and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't really honestly know. Let's see if I can see. Yeah, I can't see Erie on this, but I think Erie is like mostly. I the ice is mostly out there too, so like we're uh, we're making good progress. The ice is almost all out on Oneida. Like spring is spring is here. Nice. Nice. It's a it's a fun time so, of year, isn't it? Dude, I love it. I am so like I I'm not quite where I can just put the boat in anywhere without wondering or thinking about it, but you know, I'm so ready to just have options and just go out and crack them. And you know, this year, Lake Dunmore, you can fish uh, when the season's not open. You can fish, catch, and release before the bass season opens. Ooh. It's not closed. Ooh. So I'm definitely going to dip up there one of these days this spring and uh, just get a little bit of taste. Because I suspect that those fish uh, are not extremely bright. Not that really any of our fish are very <laughs> bright, but I think I could have a good time. Oh. <laughs> uh. Oh, anyhow, that's uh, I guess the uh, current fishing update for me. I love it. Boats running good too. Oh, that's a huge thing. Things are things are happening, and then you got to go to the natty, which is fun, and then you get to come back and keep fishing. Wow, wow. Yeah, but I do though have one thing to fix on the boat, and it's my old hummingbird. So oh well, I, one of my one of my console graphs is a nine ninety eight, which I got in college. Um. Which someone shout out to it for still existing. True. Uh, two, it now turns off a lot in rough water, ah. and I, I guess I'm gonna rewire it and see if that helps. But I don't think it will because it's wired exactly in with my helix that's right next to it, and my helix doesn't turn off in rough water. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it's just like you know what I'm old. And I don't like this anymore. This, this is just how it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I may have to do a little bit of console graph finagling. Um, I would love for that thing to be just like ready to rock, but it's pretty anno- it's pretty annoying to the point where if it's not flat calm, I just put my chip in the other graph and I'm like, okay, I'm just using this one. <laughs> uh because otherwise it's just like on and off all day. Mm. Um, so I need to investigate that. Maybe do a little, maybe do a little movement. Um, but I guess, dude, I probably got like ten years out of it. So, you know, at least nine, probably. Yeah, that's so a, that's, that's pretty that's solid. A good run. Yeah. Some people like they put up that when they sell units, they say like how many hours they have on them, and I guess I should look it up. I, I mean, I'm sure it's not a record. But it's a lot. <laughs> I didn't know hours were a thing on yeah, grass, really. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't have. Uh... But people apparently track them. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I wouldn't. Like, if someone's like, oh man, this grass got like 100 hours on it. Well, you can get 100 hours on a graph. You know, you can just turn it on and leave it running in your garage. You right, know? right. Or you, could, or you could have it turned off the whole time and run it back and forth across the Great Lakes six times. Which one do you think is worse for a graph? Here, for real. <laughs> Probably where, you know, like, I, I feel like the hours is not, it's not an incredible measure. No. <laughs> the <No>. use. <laughs> um, anyway. 
Uh, we also, before we end this, should talk about like bombs. Yeah, give us a bomb um, update. Yeah. First of all, uh, at so day three of the Harris chain at weigh in, I wasn't there. I was on a, I was zoomed in to a meeting uh, that we had several folks had with the Agency of Natural Resources in Vermont, which was good because one, they've never done this kind of meeting before. Uh, which sort of indicates how much progress we've made on this issue. Um, and it was informative. They didn't really say anything special like, oh, we're definitely not going to do it or, oh, we're definitely going to allow it. But it, it was sort of notable to me that we would have the meeting in the first place. Definitely. Um, and uh, it seemed like, you know, the DEC and the folks that are going to make the decision on the permit were at least like open they're open to argument you know they're they're not looking at this and saying oh we're definitely 100% going to issue this cuz it's what we've always done um that said the DC generally if someone asks for a permit to spray generally they get it uh-huh. um especially with the current uh especially with this current herbicide this Procellicor, uh they have denied some permits for sonar in the past which is like a much more a uh, little bit more hardcore kind of thing okay definitely it's like definitely bad as opposed to just probably bad you know what i mean <laughs> okay. um so anyway they they're aware it's an issue we've put in like 400 calls to the governor or something like that uh like we are definitely bugging uh, the heck out of our politicians that said everyone listening absolutely feel free to call up the governor you know give him a piece of, well don't give him a piece of your mind just let him know where you stand uh it you won't get the governor you'll get like probably a nice old lady and they don't need to be yelled at i don't think um but you know they keep track yep. uh so anyway that that's the sort of current status one thing we learned from that meeting though is that basically Typically, in all the permits that have been approved, the uh, municipalities, the towns in and around the lake, have either been in favor of using the herbicide or have not had an opinion on the herbicide. Um, The town of Fairhaven, which actually is just nearby Bombazine, not, you know, specifically, uh, Bombazine's not specifically part of it, has uh, actually come out definitively against it which is good um april 27th 6 p.m at the castleton university auditorium it's a wednesday evening there's going to be a informational meeting uh for the town of castleton which is uh one half of the towns on bombazine the other town is hoverton uh that's a very important meeting because one uh folks will learn more about it whether it's uh, the people on the select board and in the town government making a decision, uh, other people just in the town, it'll also be essentially a public forum. So we're going to have... That one, obviously, I'll be there if you're... Heck, if you're within driving distance, you should come. Because um, I think that'll be really key. I think if we can uh, get the town of Castleton to sort of affirmatively say, hey we do not want this to happen. I think that'll go a 
tremendous distance in uh, just the outright denial of the permit, which would be really the key thing. Right. Because once the Lake Bombazine Association, once the LBA has a, an approved permit in hand, um, I think it opens up a lot more options that it would just, frankly, be better for them to not to have. Uh, because there's already, there's a lot of, the, the community around the lake, like, is, I believe, pretty definitively not in favor of this. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, or at least, let's say, split 50-50, which I think is definitively not in favor. But even if you say split 50-50, the LBA has said, you know, a couple times, well, they're only going to go, we're only going to go forward with this if we have strong community support. Well, you know, there's not strong community support for this. Like, there is definitely the opposite of strong community <laughs> support and they haven't really taken any steps to reel back the permit process like they can just be like oh well people don't want it let's not do it and you know that's not been the case so I gotcha. it's definitely a scenario where i would rather they not be given the keys to the car for sure um anyway that's where we're at currently certainly if you haven't signed the petition do so if you haven't bugged an official do so um, and try to be, you know, sort of nice about it. I'm not trying to yell at people too much. <laughs> not yet, um, anyway. You know, not yet. <laughs> not not quite yet. One other thing is on the timeline front. I I think that the... I think that Bombazine is safe for this year, is what I'll say. There's probably at least a month, maybe more, until the DEC will issue a draft, uh, like a draft decision on it which then there's a public comment period, there'll be a public hearing, and then they'll issue a final decision, which probably puts this, honestly, sometime in, like, let's say maybe July at the earliest, maybe later, Mm. for, like, any actual decision. And by that time, if you get into July for any actual approval or disapproval of this, uh, of this, you know... You're not gonna. They're not gonna spray from what everything I've read. They're not gonna use herbicide in July and August. Like it's a thing that they do in June. So, from one standpoint, not that there wasn't ever gonna be a delay on this. Like maybe if nobody had made a noise, it would have sailed through and they would have started spraying in June. But more more than likely, this was gonna be a next year thing anyway. I think we're increasingly safe on that. Front. Oh, okay. Um. Which is good, but still, I think that, you know, we got a lot left to do. One thing that we're going to pick up on here, especially more in the summertime, uh, prior to the uh, legislative session, which is like mostly in the fall, from what I understand. I'm not really super dialed on politics, but this fall, I believe, we're going to we're gonna push hard. And I, I, I honestly, I think we can do this is... We need some kind of bill that really effectively makes it a lot more difficult to use herbicide in Vermont. Um, And I don't know that an outright ban is definitely what you want, because I think there are, I think there are probably some circumstances where it's a a valid, where where it can be Mm -hmm. valid. Um, But you know, I I want. Some, I want some kind of bill that will make it so that it is like a multi-year and, you know, a very 
I, I want some, something that will make it a very difficult process uh, and a very high bar to someone for someone to dump a bunch of herbicide in these lakes, even lakes that are they're currently treating, like Iroquois um, and St. Catherine. Like those would be better off if they were not being treated. And I think that we can make that happen. Nice. Uh, and that'll be you. I guess folks can continue to expect updates on this as we go. Because uh, <laughs> I'm planning on Vermont being a model for the nation. Heck yeah. Uh, and, you know, we are going to do big things in our very small state. I love it. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's that's where we're at, Kyle. Nice. As always, such a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. It was nice to, uh, to chat on the pot again. You know, we kind of got out of the... Uh the groove there for a little bit but uh you know if people are still listening at this point hey round of applause yeah you guys crushed it because we have gone long <laughs> uh, but yeah it's uh it's been good um let's see uh majorlyfishing.com has oh so many things on it uh kyle you're kyle lumber on instagram i'm jody blanco on instagram um and uh i think that like pretty much uh settles things out i would say i think it does uh safe travels to oklahoma uh folks tune in uh catch the end of red crest uh and i guess you know i'm gonna go try to catch a bass probably uh so until next time see you